Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 247th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And this is the final post-game show of the Seahawks 2022 season. As it ends, pretty predictably, uh, although unpredictably at the start, with a pretty big butt-kicking against the San Francisco 49ers, big rivals for for the Seahawks. And... Look, you know, we'll we'll spend some time talking about this and happy to take some questions and see if we can uh, have a little bit of interaction here. I don't know how long I will stay on, but this was a this was a game where man, these teams are not close. They are just not close. The 49ers have an overwhelming amount of talent on offense, on defense. They are extremely well coached. You really just need them to make mistakes. You need players to not be available. You need talent that the Seahawks simply do not have. And frankly, I'm not sure there's anyone in the NFC that's going to really give the 49ers a true challenge. We'll see if and when they go to Philadelphia. Maybe Dallas, if Dallas figures out how to play football again. But realistically... 49ers should be a hot knife through butter on the NFC. And the only question to me is whether the Bills 
and or the Chiefs can be good enough to beat them. And so this is a this is a really good 49ers team, rookie quarterback who played like a rookie early on, had some questionable throws, was a little bit out of sorts. The Seahawks had him uncomfortable and making some t- more difficult throws than he had had to make in other situations. But as the game wore on, he had some pretty easy throws to make. Even when he was scrambling, you can say those were great plays, but essentially that was uh, throwing to uh, wide open players in most cases. So this Seahawks defense, no surprise to anybody who's watched the Seahawks this season is really bad. I mean, they are, they are really, really bad. They are not very talented. I think they tried pretty hard and just wasn't, wasn't great. Um, Wasn't great from the get go for the Seahawks defense today. And I'm not like big moral victory guy, although I always try to look for the silver lining. I, I really think the Seahawks other than winning got most of what they needed out of this game. What do I mean by that? You know, first of all, they didn't, they didn't deserve to be in the playoffs in the first place, the way they finished the season. They, they were a really bad team over the second half of the season, both offensively and defensively. And, they snuck in. That was cool. That was fun. But what they got is they got their young players, their rookies to get a taste of what it's like to go into the playoffs and play against what might be the best team in the NFL and played pretty darn well in that first half. The offensive line, the tackles that have played all season, I feel like had really regressed. They were pretty strong in the first half. Um, even the interior line, that's been a just dumpster fire for six, seven, eight games, did okay. We saw not only in pass protection, but in run blocking. Ken Walker was getting three yards, five yards, eight yards against this 49ers defense. And that's a big deal. I mean, this is not an easy team to move the ball against. And they they managed some pretty long drives against them. So the Seahawks, looking back, um, they had a – sorry, I went the wrong direction. They had a 14-play, 78-yard touchdown drive and a 5-play, 71-yard touchdown drive. Not a lot of teams are able to do that against the 49ers. The Seahawks certainly have not done that. So we saw the offensive line step forward. I think we saw a good game from Kenneth Walker. At least a good half. I'll just stick to half. So a good half from Kenneth Walker. We saw a great first half from Geno Smith. And there's going to be a lot of people that are just going to drag Geno Smith. He fumbled. He threw a pick. He's not good enough. Look, I get it. And if that's where you want to, if that's how you want to feel right now, you feel however you want to feel. Like if you're here and you're suffering through it, I get it. That's not how I feel. I think Geno Smith came into this game and was the better quarterback in the first half, made a number of great throws, kept the ball out of harm's way in, in the most part. And then ultimately that was a pretty costly fumble. And is that an issue for Geno Smith? 
Yeah, I think it is. I think he's had some ball security issues show up this season, and hopefully he's wise enough to work on that. We'll see. I think the the pass protection wasn't quite as good in some of those situations. And the pick, I don't think twice about. At that point, the game is over. They're pushing the ball downfield. He's forcing it into tighter windows. You know, it happened. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time worrying about that particular play. I thought that DK stepped up in this game. This was a situation where I didn't know if he was going to be that kind of guy. And the team needed him to be. Tyler Lockett came into this game, not 100%, but gutting it out. And so DK had to step up, and he did. I thought he played a really good game. I don't have a lot of critiques for how DK played. And so, you know, look, it it, it was miraculous that this team was in this game. This, this game started off 10-0, and I tweeted out, if the Seahawks don't score in their next drive, game's over. And everyone's like, whatever, doomsayer, stop being such a downer. I'm like, it's 10-0. They're, that team has not been stopped yet or come close to really being stopped yet. You've gone three and out twice. I'm telling you, if they don't score on this drive, it's over. Seahawks went 14 plays, 78 yards, and scored a touchdown. That was huge. Then they ended up taking the lead 14-13, which was like, I bet there's a lot of folks that lost money on the Seahawks ever leading in this game. I bet there's people that took that as a prop bet. And if you thought leading at halftime, there's probably a lot of people that lost money on that prop bet. Uh, and so probably maybe some people that made a shit ton of money on that bet, because I think that we saw a Seahawks team go toe to toe with the 49ers and come out on top in that first half, which was really cool. That was fun. And in the second half, you know, 49ers got the ball, that big drive, 13 plays, 75 yards. There was a pretty key play on that where it was third and seven and Purdy hit Debo Samuel for a big gain and Cody Barton tackled Tariq Woolen and knocked him off the play <laughs> instead of actually tackling the 49er player. And that was pretty much it at that point. So they scored a touchdown. The Seahawks credit to them on that too. The Seahawks then took the ball and they drove. They moved the ball all the way down into the red zone I think there was a, let's call it a questionable or at least a borderline penalty where the Seahawks had passed it to Tyler Lockett on second and nine for seven yards. It would have been third and two at the seven yard line. And they called him for ineligible man downfield. This was a Damian Lewis, I believe. And I know some fans are up in arms about that. It was borderline. Dean Blandino called it borderline, although I don't really care what Dean Blandino says because I don't really have much respect for him one way or another, but it was legitimately like a call that could be made. And then they did it like four other times. So clearly they hadn't figured it out, but you know, they made the call. And even if that doesn't happen and it's third and two, you know, maybe the Seahawks, maybe the Seahawks come through there. Uh, you know, they've done it. They've done it a couple times before. 
they've done it a couple times in that drive. There was a great third and 12 conversion to DK Metcalf juggling. That was really cool to see. But it didn't happen. So they ended up, they were going to get a field goal, third and 14, and Geno fumbles. And so what would have been 23-20 at worst turns into, you know, a blowout at that point. So I don't think there's anything after that that's really worth talking about. But, you know, I think that you're going to see, you know, Abraham Lucas, Charles Cross, Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant came out of this game without injuries. I mean, you could look at me like I'm crazy for saying that, but that matters. Abra Lucas played these last couple games with some borderline injuries. If he had torn something or whatever, and we lost him for the off season, that'd be huge. So now they get a full off season to actually work on their craft. I think we're going to see what is the most important draft in Seahawks history coming up because folks, this 49ers team's not going away. I wish I had a better thing to tell you there, but they've got a seventh round draft pick who is a good quarterback and oodles of talent all over the place. And I don't believe they're going to have to jettison guys for contract reasons for at least a little bit. So this team, we got to hope they don't win a Super Bowl this year, <laughs> one way or another, but they're in the window. They are officially in the window. They've got they've got a good enough quarterback. They've got a good enough line. They've got good enough, like they've got more than good enough skilled players on on offense and defense. So uh, that's a that's a team that's going to be contending for a while. So you know, it is unfortunate, but the Seahawks they have got to invest their draft capital in becoming a more physical team. They simply could not stand up to this 49ers team. And that's an issue. So, you know, if that means interior line early in the draft, fine. If it means interior line later in the draft, like when I mean later, I mean like second pick, one of your second round picks, fine. I don't think it's wrong for them to potentially go for two interior defensive linemen in this draft. If they, if they happen to have the right guys come to them, they need to do that and they need to get better inside linebacker play. Cody Barton is not good enough. And I don't know how many times I feel like I'm on, on repeat on that, where I say he's not good enough and people argue that he is and he's playing better. And he is a, backup rotational linebacker he's not good enough he's not ever going to be great i want them to have a young player that has the potential to be great so they've got to invest a lot in this defense and then you know i think they're gonna have to invest in interior offensive line i think we got it we got to upgrade gabe jackson we got to upgrade austin blythe i don't know if they're gonna do the austin blythe thing they might feel okay with him, which would suck, but they might. So, 
you know, we'll see. We've got four picks now in the top 50 of the draft. This is a good draft. There's good players. I personally am like right now. And in the last few days, basically since the Seahawks got the fifth pick, I am pretty all in on trying to trade back to the eighth spot or the ninth spot and get another first round pick next year. So here's what we're going to see there is um, the Seahawks need three quarterbacks taken before them, before their pick in order for either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter to drop to them. I think that's pretty realistic. And I think Chicago is very likely to trade out of that first pick. We'll see to who. If they traded to Indianapolis, that's not great. But even then, Chicago may be looking to get on the offensive line. They might want Skaronsky or something like that. So if, and Houston's almost definitely going to pick a quarterback. Indianapolis is almost definitely going to pick a quarterback. So you just need one other team to pick a quarterback. Let's say that that doesn't happen. Let's say that Chicago trades with Indy. Indy hops to the top spot. They get the, the number one overall pick. They and Houston both take quarterbacks, and then Arizona and Chicago take Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. Let's just say that happens for a second. What you're going to have, most likely, is a quarterback that a lot of people want sitting there for Seattle. And that could create demand with the Falcons at eight, maybe Las Vegas at seven, Carolina at nine. It could create a bidding war. Maybe New Orleans at 10. Actually, that's Philadelphia now. Sorry. But Vegas, Atlanta, Carolina. If you tell me right now that we could trade the fifth overall pick with either Atlanta or Carolina for their pick and their first round pick next year, maybe in plus a little bit more, I'm in. Give me Atlanta and Carolina's first round pick next year, and I'll take whatever we can get at eight or nine. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty easy decision for me, um, and so I'd I'd love to see them. You know, there's I think there's a lot of reasons why the Seahawks could be in a good situation with that number five pick, and then I think the Seahawks the the lowest pick, uh, you know, that the or highest depending on how you want to look at it that they can have for their second first round pick is 19 right now, Tampa Bay's ahead of them. They're at 19 Seattle's at 20. If, if Tampa wins, then Seattle will have the 19th pick. I'm pretty sure that's how it'll turn out. If Tampa loses, then Seattle have the 20th pick. Um, Seattle has the lowest strength of victory or strength of schedule of any of the other teams that are in the wild card round. So the lowest I think the Seahawks would be is 20. The highest they'll be is 19. That's a good place to be too. And frankly, I'd be fine with them trading back from whichever of those spots to 25, 26, 27, wherever. I think there's plenty of players that are in, right in there that they could look at, whether they're offensive guards like Voorhees or you know Cyrus Torrance is interesting. I think that there's Siaki uh, Ika and defensive tackle. They've got a bunch of edge guys that are interesting. So if you trade back and you add another second round pick or you add a, a third, an early third round pick, then I think that trading back even from that second first round pick is, is worth considering. Because fact of the matter is the Seahawks need more young talent. They just do. And ideally, you can find more blue chip talent. 
because the Seahawks just don't have a lot of blue chip talent, but they just need more talent. I think you could easily argue that almost every position on defense outside of Tariq could be upgraded. <laughs> uh, so we will see, you know, the, the thing that no one's going to talk about, but is a possibility is that Jamal Adams comes back that they restructure his contract and that he actually stays healthy. Highly unlikely given how things have worked, but he's a playmaker. He might be part of improving things on this team. If you get a bunch of other players as well, but there's, there's just, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do with this team and the Seahawks can't miss. They've got a hit on pretty much each one of those first four picks. And I really think they need to try to get another first round pick next year. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And we'll see how that turns out. Uh, I do want to pause for a second since I was monologuing for so long. Uh, thank you to Mike Mathis, one of our most generous patrons and subscribers. He says, all we asked for this season was that it would be fun and for players to develop. Both happened. I'm numb now, that, but I'm not surprised. Here's to the rest of the games this year. Not much football left on to the draft. Well said, Mike. Um, well said. So, agree with that. I am certainly... I am certainly cheering for the Bills, the Chiefs, anyone to beat the 49ers. I don't really care. I didn't even cheer for the Cowboys to win. Anybody but the 49ers. That's all I care about. But if you're talking about who I would enjoy winning regardless, Bills are my top pick for sure. I want that city to get, get a Super Bowl ring. They've gone through so much. And I'm not even talking about the DeMar Hamlin stuff. I'm talking about losing four straight Super Bowls and – it's miserable up there in Buffalo. If you haven't been, it is miserable. And they've just never had the the ring. And so I'd love that fan base to get it. Um, if not them, you know, anybody else. <laughs> anybody but the 49ers. So, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of folks that are seeing this game and are like, Purdy is better than Gino. And, his numbers certainly were. You put Gino in that offense with those playmakers, I think you'd come to a different conclusion. I think Gino played a courageous and a pretty solid game today. And they're just not good enough. So people are going to want to follow the narrative that they want to follow. So be it, you know, uh, fan how you want to fan, cope how you want to cope be angry, be sad, however you want to think about it. Um, thank you to Sean Pyle for the super chat. Appreciate it. You know, unfortunately, I've been through, and a lot of you have been through this part a lot. You know, how many decades of the Seahawks making the playoffs and losing early, and that's, it sucks. But <laughs> I'll tell you what. I had the weirdest thing with this game where it's like, I obviously wanted the Seahawks to win because I, I just wanted to beat the 49ers. It would be so much fun just to like cry. Like that, that whole stadium was so nervous in that first half. That whole fan base was so nervous. 
And they were like, oh, my God, is this going to happen? That would have been just precious to see it all the way through. If that had happened, folks, I would have stayed on this post-game show the entire night. We would have rewatched the game together, play-by-play. It would have been so fun. But it didn't happen. And, And so... Look, you know, this is this is where we are. I I I guess I'll finish my thought. I really wanted them to win, but I also really wanted to not watch this team play anymore. Does that make any sense? Does any anyone else out there feel that whereas like I know this team, I know this defense. I am so tired of watching this defense get pushed around and not be talented enough and I didn't want to watch it anymore. And I didn't want to watch any of our young players get some sort of serious injury like Jordan Brooks got and be out for next season and lose a season of off season development. Like I didn't want any of that. So I don't think I've ever felt that way before where I wanted them to win, but I also didn't want to watch them play anymore. And that's how I felt about this team. So we are there. We are not going to watch them play anymore. We are going to watch other teams hopefully rise up. And we got the news today. The Seahawks, at least based on reports, are going to bring Geno Smith back. I think that's it's a controversial decision to some fans. It's not to me. I think it's pretty clear cut. I love Geno's makeup. I think that that is a guy that I will be happy to cheer for for the next few years. I don't want them spending five years, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, and crazy guarantees. But if you're talking about two to three years, like to me, the perfect deal is a three-year deal for, you know, a hundred million bucks with enough guarantee, maybe 50 million guaranteed so that it's more than what Gino would get if he was franchised, which is 32. Give him more than the guarantee for one year give him a longer term deal, which he's never really had and be able to get out of it after two years. That's not a bad thing, folks. Like he is plenty good for this team to contend for even an NFC championship. If he has the, the talent around him, if Brock Purdy was playing on the Seahawks on this team, I don't think they make the playoffs. And if they do, they're not beating the 49ers. So <laughs> I think Gino played well. He set a franchise record in a bunch of different ways. He threw touchdowns, which is the biggest thing in the world for a quarterback to be able to do 30 plus touchdowns. Great turnovers is the biggest thing. And I think that he will have now an off season to look at his film, to get better, to work with his receivers, to work with like DK Moore, to work with Tyler Moore. And we'll go from there. And I will tell you now, do not be surprised if the Seahawks end up trading Tyler Lockett this offseason. I don't know. I'll have to look at some numbers. But based on age, size, productivity, I think that this might be a situation where if they get a good deal, they may look to move him and get younger at the receiver position. They need to bring in some new receivers. They don't have that talent. So... Uh, if they don't move him this year, I think it's similar to the Bobby Wagner situation where it will 
no longer be an option the year after that, or definitely two years after that. And you get into a situation where you end up just cutting him. And I'm sure no one loves it, <laughs> but I was also here to tell you when I thought they were going to cut Lofa Tatupu before anyone else and got a lot of hate for it. And it happened. And I told you that Bobby Wagner wasn't going to be here and it happened. So I'm just telling you brace for it. Maybe you don't want to hear it today. I get it. But those are some of the things I'm going to be looking out for. Uh, So I'm looking to see, I think, uh, I don't really know if I'm going to take many questions. I, I thought about it, but frankly, I got to go make dinner for my kid and God knows what he's doing over there without any supervision. <laughs> my wife wisely went out with friends and was not in the house during this game. But, you know, I'll just say this as I kind of start to wrap. I really enjoyed watching that first half of the game. That was fun. I think that was as well as Gino has played, as well as the team has played in months. It was a really solid effort. It was, they showed spine. They were down 10 nothing. They came back. They took the lead. They lost the lead. They took the lead again. I loved that. That was really fun to watch. I really respected that. I know the final score is ugly. That certainly is what it matters in the end, but it's not what I'll walk away with. Ultimately, it's that first half that I think we saw some development of players and young players and your quarterback that give me confidence that you get better overall with your talent. You get more physical. And this might be a team that can actually win 12 games. Like, I don't think that's crazy for them to win three more games if they have a defense that is not just absolutely eye-gougingly awful. We've been saying that for a few years, though. So let's see what happens there. I do want to thank everybody that's been tuning in. Thanks, everybody uh, on the Real Hawk Talk crew. Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Evan Hill at Hill HB. Derek uh, Gebby uh, at D-E-R-Y-C-K underscore. Of course, Josh Cashman. Even though he didn't come through with his video, which would have been fun, but I understand. Uh, just appreciate that. And absolutely a big thank you to Trey Tin Cole, our production assistant, who's been getting these podcasts uploaded all season while doing work. So appreciate all that. And we have a big off season ahead. We have those draft picks. We have free agency. We have cap decisions. There's going to be a lot going on. We're going to cover it all. We're going to probably get pretty deep into scouting specific players like we haven't before because we have the chance to draft some game-changing players this year so we are going to get deep in that please stick around for that this offseason you're going to have a lot of fun doing it if you haven't already please give the show a like you know i would really appreciate it we work hard on this to hopefully uh give you guys some content and something to to commiserate with in this case or celebrate when there's things to celebrate, but really appreciate if you give the show a like subscribe to the channel. So, you know, when we're going live and go over to patreon.com slash Hawk blogger, that'll get you immediate access to our Slack channel. Hundreds of Seahawks fans, the best Seahawks conversation going on anywhere. As far as I'm concerned, 
And it's not just because the information is really good. The people are really good. You don't deal with a lot of the crap you deal with on Twitter. If anyone acts out and, and ends up being a, a, a jerk, we boot him. So there's good Mariners talk that goes on in there as well. So that's going to be a place that's hopping with off-season discussion, hot stove, so to speak. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger, sign up, get immediate access to that Slack channel, and the proceeds go to charity. We have given away over $240,000 to good causes, to good people over the years, and would love to have you be part of the community to help that continue. So with that, I'm going to thank all of you for tuning in, wish you a wonderful what maybe a long weekend for some of you if you get Monday off. And if it's just a normal weekend, have a great one as well. Appreciate all of you. Take care. Go Hawks.